6. I do not see Johnny, but Johnny has food. I will text him just to remind him. Um, and then we will have our regular scheduled prayer and Bible study at 7 o'clock. Now, upcoming events, don't forget about our barbecue uh, next Saturday, our drive through It'll be from 5 to 6.30. Um, don't forget to turn your clocks back, uh, not back, turn your clocks forward next Saturday night as well. Um, April 17th will be Easter. Uh, we will have a schedule by Wednesday night. The deacons are going to talk about it tomorrow night. So Easter, don't forget the 17th. And don't forget about our Community Baptist Golf Tournament on the 7th. Uh, don't forget about Grief Share classes. They start the 14th. Uh, you can sign up in the foyer, but you need to sign up online. Now, and then there's an address. Betty Fields has been re relocated to Friends Home. That address is in there if you're interested in, in sending her any cards. Now, any <coughs> announcements we need to mention before I go to prayer requests? Okay, we need to pray for Steve Cook. Continue to pray for Betty Fields. Uh, Don Helpler is recovering from surgery. Uh, continue to pray for Wayne York. Uh, continue to pray for our youth pastor search, our Hispanic ministry, uh, the Ukraine. Uh, pastor Neville is not feeling well this morning. Uh, Rodney Gatewood, uh, Becky Allred. Now, are there any other prayer requests we need to mention at this time? Yes. Say that again. The parish family. Okay. All right, any others? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you. Lord, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you, Lord, that you're here with us. Lord, we want to thank you for what you did on the cross, Lord. We don't deserve it, but we're so thankful for the blood you shed. Lord, I want to thank you for forgiveness of our sins. Lord, we pray for all the ones on our prayer request. There are so many that need a special touch from you. Lord, we pray for um, Betty Fields as she's been moved to the rehab center. Lord, be with her. For the ones that have had surgeries <clears throat> and are recovering, be with them. Lord, for the ones with battling sickness. Now, Lord, we continue to pray for our church. Lord, pray for our Hispanic ministry. Lord, thank you for the one we have saved uh, from the Hispanic ministry. Lord, continue to bless in that situation. Lord, be with Pastor Nebel this morning, help him to get to feeling better. Now, Lord, we pray for the services on campus today. Lord, for the Hispanic ministry this morning, for the uh, children's church, and be with Chris, giving the words we need to hear. Lord, we want you to know we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Away praying for sinners 
child in such woe, no one but Jesus ever loved so.
Thank you for that, Sarah. This morning, I'm going to, um, I'm just going to have, I'm, I'm not going to use a PowerPoint this morning. I want to challenge you uh, in something, and I want you to take a look at your heart, um, and, and I want to ask you a few questions. I was, uh, 2021, Life, Lifeway Research uh, did a study on how many Christians actually spend time in, in, in the Word of God. And there had only been 11% of people, of Christians, now this is just in America where the poll was done, that actually said they read somewhat of the Bible, something from the Bible on a daily basis, only 11%. But it was, it was shocking to me when it was uh, in the 60% range where Christians said, professing Christians said, I never read the Bible at all. I never open it up. The, the research went on and it said they found that the more that you also attend uh, a local church, the more apt you were to read the Bible. But the majority of the Christians said the, the only time they really open up the Word of God is when the pastor says, turn to this particular passage on uh, Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night. A missionary and I were recently talking and he said, and um, they were from Spain, and I said, I said, what have you found in Spain to resemble American Christians, and he said, and we, we got on the subject of how many times that we actually open up the Word of God and, and read it. And he said, I find it across the board, all over around the world, the same thing where Christians do not open up the Bible and read it. And they don't study it. And we have some different reasons for that. Um, I think because some pop, sometimes people struggle with reading and comprehending, and there's something there. Uh, and, and Jason and I were talking about this recently, and um, he, he, he does um, a thing where he lets it play over the radio, uh, on his phone, in his, in his earbud, and it reads to him. And, and, you know, and I thought all the apps and the technology that we have out here at our disposal for, you know, 
in the last 20 years of just not opening up the Bible and reading it. But we have so many opportunities to not just read it, but to study it and understand it and to hear it. And I mean, on our phones, on our tablets, on our computers. I mean, we have it at our disposal all the time. So if you ask yourself this question is, what is the reason why you will not spend time in God's Word? What are some things? And this is personal. This is, uh, what are the reasons why you will not? You know, there's times where you'll open your phone, you'll get on social media, or, you know, you're, you're running here or running there, and you're like, I just don't have time to do it. Some people, that's their reason. Or some people are like, I really don't understand the benefits of this. In fact, uh, 58% of professing Christians, the reason that they even open up their Bibles anyway and read it, they said this, it's because it, they believed there was good moral stories in it. That was their comprehension of why they read the Bibles, because it was good moral stories. The fact that it was truth was like fifth on the list. What is it? Why, why as believers, why don't we open up the Word? You know, why is it that we wait till Sunday morning or Sunday night or, or Wednesday night? You know, how is it that it really transforms us? Because I'm going to go ahead and share something with you. The more you get into that book, the more you're going to realize you cannot stop reading it. And you need it. You see, once you gain a hunger for the Word of God, it's going to transform your life. There's people that are saying, I'm constantly battling, I'm constantly battling, I have this and this and this. You know, but you're walking away from the very thing that's going to transform you. Some people says, you know what, I, I just hope my faith grows, I hope my faith grows. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you want to grow your faith, you're going to constantly, you're going to get into something that is alive. It is amazing how many times that people kind of substitute the Word of God for a Christian book. Nothing wrong with Christian books. But they were like, I'm, I'm, I'm fulfilling my duty as a Christian and opening up a Christian book and I'm reading that. Let me tell you, there's no substitute for the truth. There's zero substitute for the truth. And so... I want to challenge you this morning. And some of you have already been battling this in your heart. God's already been speaking to you. And there's something how you know there's a difference between Satan's voice and God's voice. God is going to be very specific. When he speaks to you about something in your life, it's going to be very specific about what you need to do, what you need to transform. And some of you are already battling with, I need to get in this book. And so today... I want to talk about that. I want to talk about you getting into the book, the Word of God, on a daily basis. And when you start this, you're going to see transforming power in your life, and you're going to see the benefits of this. You know, I got into a discussion with a man one time. We talked about reading through the Word of God. And so he said, I hope that no believer ever stands before God and has not read his Word. All the way through. You know, I don't know about that. But you know what? I think it be, should be something in your life that you determine to read the Word of God through. Several times in your life. Now, here's the thing. Is, are you going to comprehend everything? Are you going to understand everything? 
I think we can get into the danger zone of just reading it, just to be reading it, if you're just trying to get through it and read it. But I want to say this, that you're going to find things in your life that's going to transform you, and you're going to be going throughout your day, and you're going to be like, this passage right here, this right here. Back when I was in, in Bible college, uh, I remember my first semester, we had to memorize, you see the difference between learn and memorize, right? 181 verses that first semester. And I remember thinking, how am I going to remember all of this? And what I can tell you since, since the 90s is that God has brought back these verses. I may not remember the reference all, all the way, but God has brought back the verses in my mind at different times simply because I started to, uh, I, I, because I was, because I was forced to memorize them for all these classes. And so the next semester, it was like 200, and it was constant. We were, we were memorizing entire chapters. I never pr forget one of my professors. He had uh, a three-by-five card, and he had it on a ring, and he had a huge uh, bound ring. And, um, and he would take, and I would see him, and he would sit there, and he would flip it over. And he would do the next one and flip it over, and he would close his eyes, and he would flip it over. And I just walked over, and I was like, hey, what are, what are you memorizing? He was like, oh, I'm memorizing all of these verses. This is my year's verse. And so he said, I got the verse on one side and the reference on the other. And he said, he said I'm just trying to put this in my heart. And I thought, how cool is this that we have this professor here that teaches one of my classes that he's not just talking about it, but he's also doing it. And he had this huge binder. The Bible says in Psalms 119, it says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to the word of God? Number one, whose responsibility is it to read it? Well, Paul is writing in 2 Timothy 2, and he says this. He says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He uses several words here. He, meant, he, says, he, he says to study. And he didn't say just read it, but he, he uses the word study, and it means this. It means to endeavor, it means to labor, and to be diligent. It's not something that we're able to do once in a while in our life and think, man, look at the benefits of this. It's, it, it, it is, it is labor-intensive to get in and study and to work. And then he says, to show thyself, yourself. I am the one that is fighting this battle with the Holy Spirit and uh, against the demons and against the hell and every day. I am the one that is battling this. I am the one that's going through the temptations. I am one that's going through the old sin and nature and, and having to fight this fight every day. He said, you, you have to study. I think we have lived in generation after generation of people waiting to be fed by the pastor or by their small group leader or their Sunday school teacher and they just they're wanting to be fed by them and you know what that's important I was speaking to the same missionary and I told him this I said I love walking into other churches that they don't know who I am because if you know you're on vacation or something like that and I said and I do not dare say I am a pastor. I absolutely do not bring that fact up because I don't want them to know. I don't want to pray. I don't want to speak. I don't want you to know who I am. I want to sit there 
and I want to absorb and I want to sponge and I, I want to just sit and listen. You know what? We need that. It's important. But there's a time in our life where if all we're doing is letting somebody else feed us, then how much are you, there's only a line there where you're going to, that you're only going to grow. You're going to have to be the one to get into this book. It's always exciting when I have people text me and go, okay, this particular word right here, it don't make sense to me. What, it, what does it mean? What, is, what does this verse make a reference to? Every time I start getting these texts, you know what I learn? This person is now into the word of God and they're trying to figure it out. It, it's not a burden to me. It's exciting because they're trying to understand what it's talking about. That's exciting. But he says to study to show thyself what? Approved. It means to try to show that you're genuine. How many of you have ever taken a $20 bill or a $50 bill or a $100 bill and you've taken it to the cash register and you've, and you've laid it on the counter What's the next thing that cashier does? They grab a pen, right? They grab a pen, they take off the top, and they run that marker across that, that uh, money. And I, I'm assuming that if it showed up one color, it would be counterfeit. If not, you know, it always shows up like a gold color. You know what they're doing? They're trying to show if it's genuine. This is exactly what this word approved means. He says, study to show thyself approved to see if you're literally genuine. Because a lot of people that claim to be Christians, they were like, but I'm only claiming to be Christians for what I want to go to heaven with, not what the Bible teaches about Christianity. And I'm saying, well, then how can you claim Christianity? Study to show thyself approved, accepted. It's, 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 am I approved before God? Am I living this life out? And then, why? Because the integrity of the Bible. The Bible is God's mind. The Bible is God's words. He spoke this through men and they wrote it down. 2 Timothy said, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. What is he saying here? He's saying the, the inspiration of God. It is God-breathed. This is God's Word. This is not another author that wrote this out. This is not, oh, God gave a little bit to man and man started writing what he thought. This is word by word. And he says, and it's profitable for doctrine, meaning for teaching, for not only that reproof, for conviction. How many times you've ever been in, and sitting in, and listening to God's word, either being taught or you're opening it up, and all of a sudden you're reading it, and you went, ah, oh, me. That happened to me this morning. I'm going through the book of Titus right now. And I got to a particular passage, and I went, oh, me. Not only that, for correction, for improvement of your life and for your character, and then instruction and training in your integrity to know what God requires of you. But why is it so important? Number one, because the Bible is infallible. There's no errors. I love people to challenge you with this passage says this, or this passage says this, or how do we... They, they, people have been constantly for hundreds of years trying to find mistakes in the Bible. 
The Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect, Psalms 19. Converting, turning back the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure. It's a pillar, it's a doorframe, making the wise the simple. It's without spot, it's without error. There's nothing that can be found that you can say that is not right. Not only this, we see it's complete. Revelation gives us a warning in Revelation chapter 22. It says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add him plagues that are written. If any man shall take away from the words of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. Let me tell you, teaching this book is something very extremely important. And God takes it seriously. He says, do not take away and do not add to any of this book. So it's complete, it's infallible, but it's also totally sufficient to meet every one of your needs. He says that the man of God may be complete, may be perfect unto all good works. This is the only book in history that is sufficient to meet everything you're going through in your life every single day. How many other books can claim to be this? All the self-help books that have been written, all the songs that's been written, none of them can say, I am totally sufficient and totally complete and totally infallible and will meet your needs. But here's something very important. According to John chapter 8, it gives me assurance of my salvation. I tell you, Oftentimes, we try to rush people into making a decision about their salvation, and it's very important. They have, they have no understanding of what it means to be a Christian. The only thing they know is, is that they have to say a prayer, and then they go live their life like they want to. Let me tell you what. Once they get into the book and they understand Jesus' teaching and what is the requirement, then they're like, you know what? Either I want this is what I want or this is what I don't want. But people have no idea about what Christianity really is because they've never got into the Bible to figure out this is what is required of me. But I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've ever doubted your salvation in your life. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, there's probably been times where you've doubted. Am I really a believer? John 8 says, He that is God heareth the God's words. Ye therefore hear them because you're, you hear them not because you're not a God. Then he says this, he says, but these are written that ye might believe in Jesus Christ. The reason these words were written, he says, that you can have assurance of your salvation. There again, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you want to know, if you're having doubts about your salvation, if you're battling with this, what you're going to get into this book and you're going to understand this, that nobody in here is worthy of going to heaven. It's only done through Jesus Christ. This was the best thing that's ever happened to me. As a 13-year-old kid, I was battling. I was battling with my salvation. I was battling my salvation. And I remembered for a couple of years just struggling. And I remember getting in the Word of God and getting in the Word of God. And finally, about two years later, I remember understanding and, and, and reading a passage that morning. And it was like a light came on. And from that time on, there has never been a struggle in my life. But I, had, I was trying to understand what did I need to do? What can I do better? How can I live my life better? And all this. 
But Jesus made it very clear, it's not about you. It's about what I did. So what are the benefits? As I said, there's millions of pages that have been printed every single day. Thousands of books are printed every day. Solomon said this, be warned. The writing, the books are endless. But there's no book that's ever been written, written that has the divine power to sustain you in your daily walk. No book. You know, devotional books are good. They really are. There's dangers to devotional books. Because what you're going to find, I'll talk about in a little bit, is you'll find somebody take, pull one verse out. And to be honest with you, that writer really didn't know what that verse meant. And they'll pull that one verse out and they'll try to make an, an application to it. And you're like, I'm trying to apply this verse to my life, but it's not working. And there's a reason why it's not working. It's because that was never what that verse meant to begin with in the context. If you want to, you have to get into the whole word of God. Be very careful just pulling out one verse and saying, this is how this applies. There's a lot of books that's been written, but nothing will compare to this book. Why? Because the Bible is truth. It just doesn't contain truth. It is truth, according to John 17. He says, sanctify them through thy truth, for thy word is truth. He says, the Bible, not only this, is the source of great blessings. You wonder, like, why am I, why am I not experiencing the blessings in my life? And you know why? Because you're not being obedient. He says, you know, obedience 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 and he teaches this not only this it's the source of victory the sword of the spirit which is the word of the lord it's the source of victory in my life where i'm not constantly being bombarded and defeated in my life it's not only this is according to first peter it's the source of me growing why is it that we have 30 year old christians that are no closer to their relationship with jesus than they were the day they received him and 1 Peter says, as newborn babies desire this and send milk of the word that you may grow. You know what? You have to be past the milk part in your life. I think so many people are saying, okay, I got saved and I just want to tell you about my salvation and we should be excited about that. But that's as far as they ever went. Not only did the church not disciple them, but they also were not in the word of God themselves. And there's no discipleship and so therefore there's no growth. And they're nothing but 30-year-old baby Christians that are no closer. They have no understanding of what's going on. And you don't have to be a Bible college student to understand the Word of God because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us that teaches us and leads us into all truth. But not only this, the Bible says it is the source of power. Well, I've seen this. In the streets that we've evangelized personally, abroad, Locally, Romans 1 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. How many of you can explain what happened the day you got saved? How many of you can explain that a teacher or somebody or you were sitting by yourself and you opened up this book and you started reading it and God began to convict you in your heart? And something came over you like you never have experienced before. And the Holy Spirit started drawing you to himself. And it's all because you opened up 
and you started reading and the gospel was so clear to you that you bowed your head and you says, I want you to have my entire life. What other book has that kind of power? You can't explain that and I can't explain it, but all the times we've been sitting there and we've read God's word, that's why it's very important to understand when you're given the gospel that you're, you're giving God's word because that is the power. Not some funny story, not some tricks, but the power is in the truth. I can't explain how this works. But I know that it does this. The Bible says it's, it's like a sword and it goes to penetrate to the very depth of the soul. And that's what it does in my life. And that's what it wants to do in your life. But not only this, it's a source of guidance. The Bible says it is a lamp unto my feet. Have you ever been walking in the woods late at night or down a dark road and your light go out? You finally get it back on, you're able, and you're able to see. You know, the journey in this life is kind of like that, that it's dark all around us. If you want to understand and have the lamp and have the light and understand how to live out this life, you'll not do it apart from this book. You never will. And you're trying to live your life on a daily basis and be the good Christian, and you're like, I fail every day. You don't have the power to sustain you and to guide you and to be the light that it needs, you're going to have to get into this book and begin to grow. You're going to have to. And so how do we do that? How do you do it? Just four quick things and I'm done. you got to read it. You're going to have to devote some time. And by the way, it takes about 31 days to develop a habit. Of anything you're going to have to develop a plan you're going to have to you're going to have to start reading this book if you have an app on your phone it doesn't matter if it comes from an actual page you turn or it comes from the app on your phone you're going to have to start reading it and it's very important that you get a as close as you can for a word-for-word -word translation I use the NASB the KJV the the uh, New King James Version is good also the NIV is okay, you know, it's, not, it's more of a thought for thought, but a word for word translation. Stay away from the message, like the message Bible, you know, I've done a whole thing on that. That's just a big paraphrase. But you're going to have to open this up and start reading it. Why? Because you're going to have to read it until you understand it, until the Holy Spirit enlightens you on it. Sometimes you read something one time, well, I don't understand it, so I'm not going to read it no more. That's why it didn't say read. It said to study, to show thyself approved unto God. Isaiah says this, is to read it line by line, passage by passage. This is why I preach the way that I do. I'm okay with topical stuff like we had this morning. It's all right. I'm not a huge fan of topical messages. I know we need that in our life. There's times where we have to have that. But I love the line by line, phrase by phrase, because you understand the context in which it was written, what, who it was written to, where are we going with this, the past, the present, the future. That's the importance of the line by line Phrase by phrase, and that's why I preach with expository preaching. So, how do you do this? 
You know, without a plan, you're going to fail. Without a vision, the people stumble, right? So you're going to have to have a plan. If you, if you say, okay, God, at the end of this service, God, help me to, to get in my Bible more. And if that is your prayer and you walk away, I can already say that you're not going to get into the Word of God. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to develop a plan in order to say this is the plan. How many of you work out almost daily? You ever have, how many of you almost daily? All right. Man, I thought, thank you for that honesty back there. I see you on the back row. Yeah. Does it just happen naturally, Nick? I mean, you know, does it, I mean, like you had to develop a plan. You had to develop a time. Is it always easy? No. You enjoy it or you wouldn't do it, right? In the, in the diet my wife and I are on, I was telling Sarah this morning that I've only got five pounds left and then I have to start working out. So I think I'm going to lose four. Because <laughs> I really don't want to start that whole working out thing. But you know what? I, I have a plan. When I get to that point, I've got a plan. I've got everything lined up because I know that that's coming. But if you don't have a plan for how you're going to get into this, then you're not going to do it. Can I just give you some suggestions? You should read through a book of the Bible at least one time a month. Now, I want to tell you, there are so many plans on the Internet, scriptural, like they, they break it down for you. You can print them off. You can do them on your phone. Blue Letter Bible has a reading plan. All you have to do is go to it, and it tells you where you're at, which verses today, New Testament, Old Testament, it, it bounces you back and forth. I have plenty of pastor friends that their goal every year is to read the Bible through once a year. And some of you are like, you know what, I, that's not really my plan. I do want to read the Bible through, but I kind of want to take it verse by verse. And see, that's kind of where I'm at. I don't read the Bible through once a year. I've read the Bible through multiple times, but I can't because I get hung up and I just stay on a verse and, you know, I can't move on. But you have to develop a plan and say, okay, today I'm going to read, like I'm reading through Titus right now, but you have to say, Okay, I'm going to read through the book of John. I'm going to read through the first, second, you know, I, I don't know, whatever, Peter. And I'm going, to, I'm going to read this. As you're doing this, what you need to do, the reason that a lot of these Bibles have large margins on the side, is, it's, it's not because they wanted you to have more space for paper. They did it so you could write. You need to have a notebook with you, and you need to say, this is the truth that this passage is saying. Write down these truths. You also need to know what the major themes of these chapters are, because each, each book has a major theme. It has who they were writing to, and all of that is super important. If you have a larger book, divide it into chapters and read each chapter, you know, so there's a, get a plan. There's plenty of plans out there, but you need to start writing stuff down as you're going through this. Don't just read it to get it done. So many people say, well, I read my Bible, and I just read it to get it done. No, what are you trying to achieve out of this? You're trying to grow. 
You're trying to mature. I want the Holy Spirit to speak to me through this. So you have to read it. But also understand this, you have to interpret it. You see, the, the Bible is written in Aramaic, Greek, and Hebrew. The Old Testament in Hebrew. The New Testament in Aramaic and Greek. And so we, that's been translated to English. Do you remember when Philip was talking to the Ethiopian eunuch and he ran into the desert? And the Ethiopian eunuch was reading from the book of Isaiah, I believe it was. And he was talking about, and it was talking about Jesus Christ coming. And he says, do you understand what you read us? And you know what the eunuch says? How can I understand unless you teach me, unless you show me? I want you not to just read something. I want you to understand exactly what you're reading. Be very careful with trying to jump to an application. And oftentimes, like I said, devotional books are okay, but they often try to just pull out a verse and jump right to an application. People want to make everything applicable to them. They want this, this passage to apply to them and that passage to apply to them. Here's the problem. Some passages were not written to me or you. Some passages were only written to the Jews at that time. We can understand principles and things from that, but there are some things that people try to apply to their lives that was not written to them. Know who it was written to. Know some of the major themes of the Bible. Why did this writer even write it? But not only this, understand the background. What was going on during that time? What is the context of all of this? Because remember, context is king. What is the purpose of all of this? What was it like? I was talking to one of my family members this week, and, and he's doing a study through the book of James. And he was just quoting, Count it all joy when you fall into different temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And he was talking about this passage, and I said, I didn't understand the book of James until I got to college, and, and they are, they're showing us how to study and all this. And he's listening. And I said, James 1 kind of makes me a little angry. you understand what was happening in James? These people were becoming Christians, and the Romans were slaughtering them. They were running out their back doors and the Romans were coming in through the front and they were killing these people. Oh, the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let patience have her perfect work as you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. What? And when you understand that these people were being killed for their faith and you read James chapter 1 and you're like, whoa, I thought it was because they had a bad hair day. That's where I'm applying it. No, these people were being killed. And when you understand the context in which it was written, you're like, wow. Always, always interpret Scripture with Scripture. Scripture is not going to, one thing is not going to say something and another one's going to say something else. You always interpret Scripture with Scripture. And don't draw your conclusions at the price of interpretation. <laughs> Let me tell you, that passage only means one thing. How many times have I told you this? Oh, with God, all things are possible, right? 
People use that, put slogans. What is he talking about? He's talking this. This only means one thing. It doesn't mean that with God, you know, he can do anything because that would be a lie. He can't sin. He cannot lie. I mean, you know, what does it mean that with God all things are possible? What the whole passage, there's one conclusion to this passage that there's nobody too far gone that God cannot reach. That's what that passage means, and that's the only thing that passage means. So don't draw conclusions just because it fits your life or because it makes a good slogan. And be careful to say this. Man, I love small groups, but small groups can be dangerous. Sunday school classes can be dangerous when the teacher says, what does this passage say to you? I hate that statement. I hate that statement. Because you know what happens? Five people raise their hands and they'll say, to me, the passage means. And then Susie over here says, to me, the passage means. To me, and the passage only means one thing. And so all of a sudden they run out and they try to apply this passage to their life. And they're going, it don't work. The Bible's not real. It's not truth. Guess what? Because of the way you interpret it, it's wrong. Don't be jumping saying, well, to me, the passage says this. Find out what the passage actually means. And it means that. And be strict about that. Because then you're like, okay, now this is what the passage is saying. And this is how it is applied. And now you're going to go, wow, this works. When I apply it in this form and fashion, I see it working. And don't over-spiritualize every single passage. Use helps. Use commentaries, use background books, use Bible introductions. There's people don't reinvent the wheel. There's plenty of guys that are good writers, and they've already gone, and they've already done the pre-work, and you can understand the context. You can understand the main passage. You can understand why it was written, the context in what it was written in. You can look at all of this and say, okay, now before I read verse 1, I have an understanding. Somebody's already done all of that legwork for me. But don't take one of these Bible introductions, these commentaries, and say, you know what? It means this when the Bible really means this. Don't, don't ever think that the Bible will contradict itself. And be ready. Because what some of you have assumed is kind of like what we talked about last week. What does the Bible teach about? Some of you walked out of here last Sunday and said, Hmm. I've been taught this, or I assume this. I thought the Bible said this. Be ready to change your way of thinking. Because a lot of times people are simply going by traditions. And they're living their life of what they think the Bible teaches only based on traditions and not what the Bible actually teaches. Be, be ready to change your way of thinking. And last... Apply it. The very last thing that we're doing that Jesus makes this, those who carry a personal Bible study, they read it, they understand the context it was written in, and they're allowing it to change their life, but also now they begin to apply it to their life. And he says, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them, John 13. 
You are blessed if you then do them. He says, all of a sudden, you're going to see a transformed life. So what now? Psalms 1-1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doeth he meditate day and night. Meditation is this, is giving your brain a bath. And Lord, don't our brains need baths? With all the junk that we see, social media out in the world, all the things that we hear, our brains need baths every single day. Sarah, would you come to the piano with heads bowed and eyes closed? I want to challenge you this morning. Well, God's word has challenged you, not me. Some of you are sitting there and saying, you know what? I'm tired of letting somebody else constantly teach me, but I'm ready to get into the word for myself. I've been convicted about this for some time. I've been a Christian for 25 years, and I'm ready. I'm going to get a plan. Some of you are like, I can't read in the morning because I can barely make it to work in the morning functioning, and that's okay. Some of you are like, I can read during the day, during my lunch hour, whatever. But I am going to start getting into the Word every day. I want change in my life. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, Sarah, as you play... If the Lord has convicted you in this manner, you don't have to come down. Tell him. Say, Lord, you've been specific to me this morning. And I'm ready. I'm making a commitment to you to get into your word, to start growing and being discipled so I can disciple other people. I want to see my life transformed. Father, as there's some people in here that will understand salvation fully after they begin to get into the Word. They're going to grow immensely. They're going to mature. They're going to see a seriousness of what your Word says and how we're responsible for others. God, I pray that we not be a crowd that the only time that we hear the Word of God taught or read is because we showed up for a service. Lord, let us be transformed. Let us be people in the Word. Don't let us just be professing Christians that say, I never opened my Bible. God, we ask that those who have made that commitment in here this morning, we know that you're going to help them. And we know that they're already going to have a battle for making this commitment because Satan wants us to walk away from your word. Because with that, there's no growth. There's no maturity. And we are helpless in our fight. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you so much for coming this morning. Don't forget, we do have a baptismal service. And uh, I would like to meet with those candidates uh, right outside uh, in the foyer before you head out. And, uh, but Steve's going to come and lead us in a, a verse of victory in Jesus. See you tonight for the baptismal service and the youth service and the children's program. God bless you.